Hey everyone, and welcome to the City Baptist Church Sermon Podcast, where it's our mission and purpose to help you find and follow Jesus. I was a youth pastor for about nine years, and so I worked with teenagers, and I worked with a lot of teenagers over the years, and uh, was blessed to be able to just be a part of that ministry. But one of the things that we talked about the most as a youth pastor and some of you have worked with teenagers maybe before. One of the things that we talked about the most, a very common theme in youth ministry, is the subject of the future. Now, I want, you to, I want you to just think back for a moment. Remember what it was like to be a teenager. How many of you can do that? We're not that far away. Some of you are like, oh, I don't know, maybe 25? No, go. Okay, imagine a teenager, and remember what it was like to always be wondering about the future, right? Like, what is going to happen? It's a funny way that life goes, right? When you're a little kid, you cannot wait until you're in school, Right? And then when you're in elementary school, you're finally in kindergarten, you cannot wait to be in grade seven because you're the top dog, right, at that point in elementary school. And then in grade seven, I just cannot wait to get to high school, you know? And then in high school, I cannot wait to get to grade 12, I can't wait to graduate, and I can't wait to get to college, and I can't wait to get married, or whatever it is, all of these things. But we're always thinking about our future. And as teenagers, I don't know, maybe I'm the only one, I was always worried about it. What does the future hold for me? What is out there? What is my life going to look like? Are my kids going to be cute, you know, like all these things that I would worry about. And we think about this, am I going to get to university? What's my career options? What am I going to do with my life? And as a young person, we go through that and we struggle with it. And, and it, it becomes a fear sometimes with us. I remember uh, the, the last day before I went away to college, I went away to Christian College in Florida. And uh, the last day that I was here in Vancouver, you know, I didn't spend it with my family. I went and hung out with my friends, which I don't know what that was all about. Looking back, I'm like, oh, man, my parents must have been hurt. But anyway, sorry, mom and dad. But I did. I went out. I saw my friends, and I hung out with them. And I remember that night. It was probably like midnight. We were flying out early the next day um, to fly out to, to school. And that night, I came in, and I had I had called a friend, and, and I, I kind of said goodbye to her. And it's not what you think. Uh, and I said goodbye to her on the phone. And and I remember I was downstairs in our basement, and uh, I was overcome with something I'd never experienced in my entire life. I was 18 years old. I was getting ready to go. I was very excited about going, of course, but I was sitting there, and I hung up the phone. It had a wire on it. Remember that? And I hung up the phone, and uh, I was just overcome with an anxiety about the future that I've never experienced before in my life. And I remember sitting there, or standing there, looking out the window in my childhood home, you know, and thinking, I'm leaving all of this. I was the only one of my friends, really, that was going away. And I remember just being overwhelmed, almost like a panic attack. I don't, know if I, I don't know if it was necessarily a panic attack, but I remember just overwhelmed with this fear, what is my life going to look like? It was a major turning point for me. And maybe for some of you, you have a turning point in your life. You remember what it was like to be right on the edge of, the, of an unknown future, not knowing what, uh, what was to come. And I remember just being overwhelmed by that. But the funny thing that I've come to discover is that even though as a young person, the future concerned me, it worried me, what I've discovered as I've moved along through life, I'm not young anymore, as you can tell, uh, what I've discovered is that those worries don't go away. <laughs> they don't go away, do they? In fact, I feel like the uncertainty about my future continues to increase the more life I live. I remember thinking like, oh, once I figure out what my future is, once I finish university, once I, you know, get married and get into a career and I have kids, then all of my worries are going to go away. But the fact is my worries about the future have only increased. And guess what? I've just added more things to my life to worry about. Now I worry about the future of my kids, all right? I worry about, you know, the future of, of so many things. And, and the future just continues to develop. And 
Because it doesn't matter what stage of life you're in, the future is always something that will concern you. It's amazing to me, as I talk with people, uh, you would say, you know, in retirement or further on, they still are concerned. What is the future going to be? What are things going to look like? How are things going to turn out? Maybe you've wondered, man, my life hasn't been what I thought it would be up until this point. How bad is it going to get? How much worse is it going to be? What? And, you, and we oftentimes struggle and we wonder and we wonder with the, with the uncertainty of the future, whether it's your career, your finances, your family, relationships, uncertainties, whatever it is, the future is often a scary and unfriendly place. Now, if today was a high school seminar, so let's say I was speaking to you guys as teenagers today, uh, often what you would hear is that the future is what you make it to be, right? You ever heard that? And you can be anything you want to be. And if you just put your mind to it, and if you just work hard, and if you look out for yourself, don't worry about other people. You look out for yourself and make sure that you are number one, then things were maybe going to work out for you. And in some respects, those things are true in the essence of, you know, you need to put your mind to things. But I want to tell you something today as Christians, we look at the future very differently. We look at the future very differently. See, as Christians, we don't uh, look at it as something that we are to fear, but as Christians, we recognize that the future should include something, and that something is God and his will for your life. See, the problem with the world is that they are facing truly an unknown future, but as believers, the great thing is we know that no matter what the future has for us, no matter what is ahead, we have a God who is going to walk with us through it. And the problem is, though, is that as Christians is that we often compromise a future that God has for us because we will only settle for a future that we have planned out and that we have designed. See, here's the issue that happens so often in the Christian life is that there's two paths. There's a path of pursuing God and, and walking into the future with him. And then there's a path over here that we design for ourselves that we think is a better plan than God's plan for us. Now, I tell you, I've lived that life. I've walked the path of, I'm gonna, I'm gonna pursue this and I'm gonna try to make it work out. And I think that my way is better than what God could ever come up with me, uh, come up for me. But that's how we often are as Christians. But the problem is, is that when we leave God out of it, we miss out on the fact that God does actually want to be involved in our future. Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11 is one of my favorite verses along this thought because it gives us an insight into the heart of God and what God thinks about us. See, so often we assume that God thinks about us what we think about us. And, and when we beat ourselves up and we're not happy with who we are, we somehow think that that's what God thinks about us. But God says this to us. He says, I know the thoughts that I think towards you. He says, hey, don't put any thoughts in my head. <laughs> he says, I know what I'm thinking towards you. Say it the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil. And then he says this, to give you an expected end. See, God wants to be a part of our future. He wants to be there from the beginning to the very end. He wants to walk with us through it. And God's plans for us are full of goodness, but besides that, they're also full of hope. And I want you to get that this morning. God's plans for us always contain hope because it doesn't mean, and you know this, it doesn't mean that we're gonna be spared from hardship. It doesn't mean that we're gonna go through uh, difficult and not go through difficulty or suffering or hardship. But what it does mean is that God is going to see us through to a glory giving conclusion. But for so many of us as Christians, we just constantly struggle with this, don't we? And we struggle with this. We struggle in the daily walk of simply trusting God, just trusting him for our future, just relying on him. 
See, that morning or that, after, or that evening when I was there, very early in the morning, and I was sitting there and I was overcome with fear, it's because I was so concerned about what was going to happen to me. I wasn't thinking about what God wanted for me. And thankfully, that's something that changed in that first year that I was away. I was thinking about what I wanted to do, what I thought I should be doing. And because of that, I was filled with that uncertainty and that anxiety because I didn't know and I hadn't equated God into the whole situation. And that is an age-old problem. Now, how many of you would just be honest with me today? You can put up your hand, okay? This isn't a bow your head, close your eye kind of a thing, all right? How many of you would be honest with me today and say, Pastor Paul, that is something that I have experienced or I am experienced right now where I've been concerned and worried about the future, but it was because I wasn't connecting God into it. How many of you be honest with me? I'm gonna put both my hands up, okay? All right, a few of you. Okay, good. Honesty is good, especially in church. It's always good to be honest, right? Always be honest in church. That's good. And I, I know that all of you have experienced that. It's something that we can all connect to. But today I want to talk about the fact that this is not something that's just unique to us. This is an age-old problem. And as we're going to see in Genesis chapter 15 today, God gives us an example of somebody who we would look back and say, this is a great person of faith, yet they still struggled with adding God and trusting God for their future. So that's what we're going to do today. We're going to look at the life of Abram, later known as Abraham, of course. And we're going to look at Genesis chapter 15. I hope you're there with me. I've got most of the verses here on the screen. And we're going to look at this age-old struggle of how we can trust God, okay, when the future seems uncertain, when we're not sure what the future holds for us. So let's go ahead and read verse number one through three. It says, so after these things, you say, well, what are these things? That's the chapters before. That is Lot, his uh, nephew being captured and then also rescued. That's actually a really cool story in Genesis 14. But that's what happened. It says, so after these things, it says, the word of the Lord came unto Abram in a vision saying, fear not, Abram, I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. That's great, huh? How would you love it if God spoke to you and said, I just want you to know that I'm with you, I'm your shield, and I am your great reward. Man, that's great. Okay, all right, I thought it was good. Yeah, that's all right. <laughs> you guys all look tired all of a sudden. Do we sing too much? Do we sing? Uh, take back one of those songs, we're okay now, okay? You have more energy. And Abram said, Lord God, what will you give me? So God comes and says, I'm your shield, and I'm your great reward. And then Abram says, well, what are you going to give me, God? Seeing I go childless, and that was a big deal. If you don't have an heir, you know, what's going to happen? He says, and the steward of my house is this Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, behold, to me thou hast given no seed, and lo, one born in my house is mine heir. Now, I think it's safe to say here that Abram is worried about his future. He's asking God here. He's saying, God, what am I going to do? I followed you this long, but now I'm old, he's saying, and I don't have any children to carry on my name. Now, it's funny. He brings in Eliezer on this. You see that? I, my question was like, why are you bringing him into this? You know, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if he said that. I don't know if you heard him say that. Well, Eliezer was his, his oldest servant. And so the oldest servant within a household, if there was no actual heir, birth heir to the, to the, uh, to the father of the household, then the oldest servant would then become the heir and would receive anything. So that's what he's saying here. He's saying he's of Damascus. He says, is he the one who's to be my heir? He's asking God. He said, but you've not given me somebody. You've not given me a child. And for Abram, this really was a crisis about the future. Because remember, way, way before this, God had come and spoken to him, and God had said, I'm going to make your, I'm going to make your family, right? As the, as the sand of the sea, the stars in the sky, I'm going to bless you in a great way. I'm going to make a great nation of you. And now here he is. He's old. He's almost 100 years old at this time. And he's saying to God, well, where is this? He's wondering about his future. He had followed God. Now, remember, he had followed God all of this way, but now he's at this crossroad again where his faith and his fear are starting to kind of swap places a little bit. 
And he's saying, God, where is this? Where is this thing that you've promised to me? What am I going to look for in the future? What am I going to see? Now, we feel that way so often, and we've kind of covered that a bit. So often where we say, man, we want to follow God, but we get to a point in our life where things aren't what we thought they would be. They're not working out how they thought we thought they would work out. And we say, God, what is it? And we begin to get concerned and we worry about it. We say, God, what are we going to do? Well, look at God's answer there in verse number four. It says, behold, the word of the Lord came unto him saying, this shall not be thine heir. And Eliezer was like, okay. But he shall come forth, he that shall come forth out of thine own bowels, that means your insides, shall be thine heir. Now, this is not saying he's going to get pregnant and have a baby. You guys understand. This is an ancient way of saying he's going to come from you, Abram, okay? And he brought him forth abroad and said, look now toward heaven and tell the stars if thou be able to number them. And he said unto him, so shall thy seed be, thy, like your kids, your descendants. And he believed in the Lord and he counted it to him for righteousness. Now, that's a key phrase here. He believed God. God says, no, this is what's going to happen. And then it says here that he believed God. Now, this is pretty amazing here. God says, your family's going to be this huge family. You're going to have a child. Again, he's pushing, he's around 99 years old at this point. I've never met a 99-year-old. I've met people who are close to that. That's old, okay? And he's saying, you're going to have a child now at this point. And this is an amazing thing. And God says this to him, and he makes this promise to him. Now, I want to stop right here and just take a minute to remind us of the fact that God has given us as his children promises as well, okay? Yes, God has given personal promises to each of us. Maybe you, in your time in the word or in a message, God has spoken to you and has revealed a promise or something that you can hold on to. But I want you to remember that in and all throughout scripture, God makes promises to his people. And God is a God who keeps his promises. So let's just remember that at the very beginning here. So when he says to Abram, you are going to have descendants as the stars in the sky, guess what? God meant it. God meant it. And when God said to you, he's not going to leave us or forsake us, he meant it and he's going to keep it. When God says to us that there's safety in his arms in the book of Psalms, that means there is safety in his arms. When God says to you that there's peace for our future, that means there's peace for our future. And when God says, I will forgive your sins if you come to me and confess, guess what? He'll forgive them. When God made hundreds of promises about the coming Messiah and he fulfilled all of those ones, he proved to us and showed us that he is a God who keeps his promises. And for us today, we need to remember God keeps his promises to those and he will walk with us and he will be with us into the future. But Abram here, so this whole situation, God comes to Abram, he speaks to him and and says that Abram believed him and he had faith and you often and me, we go through times where we have great faith in God. But then as time passes, his faith began to wane a little bit more. And we see Abram try to shape a future that God had promised to provide, and he tries to shape the future in his own strength. Now, this is where we're going to jump to Genesis 16, all right? So stay with me, Genesis 16, verse 1 and 2. Now, Sarah, Abram's wife, bare him no children. So this is after all of this has happened, okay? So the promise, I'm sure he told her that, hey, we're going to have a kid. It's going to be all right. And she's pushing 90. You know, it's going to be all right. You're going to do great, I promise. But yet there was still no children, And she had a handmaid, an Egyptian, whose name was Hagar. And Sarah said unto Abram, Behold now, the Lord hath restrained me from bearing. Okay, so here's where her faith begins to hit a crisis as well. God says, you are going to have a son. And now it hasn't happened yet. And now her faith is in crisis. So she says, Behold, God has restrained me. She's assuming something about God, by the way. That's a whole thing we don't want to miss out there. She's making assumptions about what God's going to do or what God's not going to do. 
And he says here that God has restrained me. I pray thee, go into my maid, Hagar, who's just talked about. So someone who served her, go to her. It may be that I may obtain children by her. And Abram hearkened. That means he listened to the voice of Sarah. Okay, so let's just get this straight at the very beginning. This whole suggestion, this whole situation is not right. Let's just understand it, okay? Don't be like, oh yeah, this, is, this must have been. No, no, this was not God's plan. This was not the right decision. I'm sure that Abram had shared God's promise with her. I'm sure that uh, Abram had told her that I believe that God's gonna provide this heir, but now what she's doing is she's basing her decision, she's basing a decision for the future off of her own immediate circumstances, and that's what she's doing here. She's not looking at the fact and saying, wow, God promises, so we're gonna wait for God to do what God's gonna do. No, she's looking at her circumstances. She's saying, I'm old. She assumes about God that he must not be involved. And so therefore, let's take this step forward and I'm gonna shape my future by her own decisions. Simply, her faith was based on what she was feeling and what she was seeing. You ever make decisions like that? You ever make decisions based off of what you can see in the moment, not what God is doing? We love that song, Waymaker, right? I love that song. I, I, it's always in my head. Even when I don't see it, he's working. And it's a good thing to remember. Uh, but often that's what we do is we see and we only have what's in front of us. And then we try to shape our future based off of what we can understand and what we can control. And so Sarah here, that's what she's doing. She's trying to manipulate the situation here. But the truth is this is where the rubber meets the road in a journey of faith. Right in these crisis moments where God has said, uh, maybe trust me, or God has said, I want you to go in this direction to follow me. And we say, I don't know if that's really what God wants me to do. I don't know. If, or, or we're looking at something in the future and it seems so distant and we're worried and we're concerned. How's this all going to work out, God? What's going to happen? Rather than trusting in him and his processes and, and his word uh, to, to follow the processes of whatever it is in a relationship, uh, we start to try to manipulate and try to work the situation to work out how we think it should work out. You see that? And that's what's happening here. And so Sarah is, is looking at the situation and she's making a decision about the future based off of her current circumstances. And she's focused then. What happens is you begin inwardly focused rather than upwardly focused. So stay with me here because I think you guys understand what I'm saying. We all do this. This is a struggle. This is, this is part of the mental struggle of a believer. This is where our faith really becomes real. Whether or not you can actually trust God in these kind of moments. So often we're like Sarah and we start to try to work the situation to fit and to do what we want it to, want it to be. And that only happens when we, because we're taking our eyes off of Jesus Christ. We're taking eyes, our eyes off of him. Now, you might be thinking, well, God gave me intelligence and God gave me life experience. Yes, of course. And God uses those to help guide us and to lead us. But when all we are is focused on ourselves, we make poor decisions especially when your faith is weak. I always, people say, hey, I got this big decision to make. I always ask them, how's your walk with God? Terrible. Okay, don't make a decision right now. <laughs> you know, Don't make decisions when your faith is weak, when you're not walking with God. Don't make, sometimes we make big life change decisions when we're not even really in communion with God regularly. So make decisions in that sense. So she's struggling here and she makes this decision and it was her lack of faith that led to this next decision in verse Number three, and Sarah, Abram's wife, took Hagar, her maid, the Egyptian, after Abram had dwelt 10 years in the land of Canaan and gave her to her husband, Abram, to be his wife. She says, well, there's no way I'm having kids at this age. You just have a kid with our servant then. Now, I can't imagine the thought process that led up to this decision. 
I can't, you know, I mean, I'm married. <laughs> I cannot imagine this conversation <laughs> ever happening. I just want you to know. I can't imagine the thought pro- or like where she was. Think about this. How far, I really believe how far away from God she was to come up with this situation. Yes, you can say, well, that was culturally, that was a thing. Yes, it was a thing. But just because something happened in the culture, this is a great lesson for us, right? Just because something happens out in our culture around us doesn't mean it's right for the believer, especially someone who God has come and spoken to. And so, but but she says, well, this is what they're doing. Okay, we're going to make this happen. She's trying to work the situation here. And then, of course, Abram in verse 4 went in unto Hagar and she conceived. And when she saw that she had conceived, her mistress was despised in her eyes. Now, let's not cut Abram any slack here in this situation. Do not. (laughs) This was was wrong. Guess what? It was within his power to not follow along with what his wife was saying. It was. He could have said, no, God has promised this to us. And I believe God by faith. And we're going we're gonna to follow him, and this is what we're going to do. We're going to wait, and we're going to see what God can do. We're going to see the miracle. Remember when he called us out of Ur of the Chaldees, and he told me, I'm going to send you to a land that I'll show you. Remember how we followed him this whole way, how he's protected us, how we defeated those five kings and rescued Lot. There's some really cool stories in Abraham's life. You know what? And we did all of these things. Let's trust God for this one thing. Let's trust him. Sarah, I'm not going to do it, but we see him going along with it. I would think it was indicative because of his own faith was weak as well. He himself was struggling with seeing what God is trying to do. And it's because he was not trusting God with his future. Now, here's the big idea for today, okay? Super simple message today. Here's the big idea. Abram, because he was not trusting God for his future, was then not obeying God in the present. So here's the big idea today. If you don't get anything else, write this down, put it down somewhere. If I trust God with my future, I can focus on living for him today. Okay, so here's where the whole breakdown happens in Abram's life. Abram was not trusting the future that God had promised to him, and so he was not living for God in the right now. That's what it all comes down to. That's the simplest thing. If you don't get anything else today, remember this. If I can trust God for my future, I can then focus on living for him today because those two things are connected so well, aren't they? When we're looking at the future and we're trusting God for what he has for us, that means I'm going to walk by faith right now as well. That means I'm going to walk in his word. I'm going to connect into him and I'm going to follow him in the moment. And Abram, though, was not doing that. And so as a result, the decision that he made here led to a decision of sin and it led to a decision that affected a lot of people because he was not trusting God. I want you guys to remember that those decisions we make when we're weak in our faith, when we're not walking with God, they affect a lot of people. We always think in our world's mindset, right, which is all about me, look out for me, make sure that I'm okay. We, we make decisions often, but it does affect other people as well. And that's what we see happening here in Genesis 16, verse 5 and 6. And it says, and Sarah said unto Abram, my wrong be upon thee. So there's some real turmoil happening in the home. So let's just get this right here. So she has the, she has, or gets pregnant. It says that Hagar, verse 4, just uh, reflect, uh, was despising Sarah And then Sarah says to Abram, my wrong be upon thee. I have given my maid into thy bosom. And when she saw that she had conceived, I was despised in her eyes. So she's saying, Hagar doesn't like me anymore. And then it says, the Lord judge between me and thee. But Abram said unto Sarah, behold, thy maid is in thy hand. Do to her as it pleaseth thee. And when Sarah dealt harshly with her, she fled from her face. Okay, what a messed up situation. So this, so, so Sarah says, hey, go have a kid with Hagar. And Abram, you know, somehow she convinced him. So he does it. So then Hagar gets pregnant, and then Sarah gets upset about it. 
and gets mad at Abram about what she told him to do. Okay, this is messed up. Maybe, maybe some of you have been in situations like this. And so then Abram says, well, what are you looking at me for? She's your maid. You're the one who made the decision. You do whatever you want. And so then she goes and she treats Hagar terribly. So she dealt harshly with her. Man, what a messed up situation. I would not want to be in that tent, right? <laughs> they lived in tents, by the way, just so you know. They had big, these big tents. I would not want to be in there. And so she, she uh, treats her in such a way that she actually flees. Before she has the baby, she flees. Then miraculously, you know the situation, the, the, maybe you've heard the story that an angel of God comes and tells Hagar, you need to go back. And she goes back, but yet for the next 13 years, after having the baby in the 13 years of Ishmael, the one who was born, man, she, she faced the harshness and she faced the anger of Sarah at that time. See, what Sarah was doing here in this whole situation is that instead of taking responsibility for her actions then because of her poor decision that was based off of her lack of faith, she began to look for somebody else to blame. And I got to tell you, church, that's always what happens when we make decisions not <laughs> from a position of not following after God, of not trusting him, not walking by faith, is that when the thing falls through and it doesn't work out how we thought it should work out, what do we do? Because we're still inwardly focused, we just look for somebody else to blame or something to blame or some situation to blame. And, and that's, not, that's not a Christian mentality, is it, right? Christians, we take responsibility if, if, it's, if it's our bad, if it's on us, we take responsibility for those things. But here, Sarah doesn't take responsibility. She then begins to blame Hagar. She's upset at Abram, all of this stuff that is going on. And, and beyond that, we have Abram over here who says, well, hey, you made me do it. He's not taking responsibility either. Do you see this? See the whole just mess that's happening here. And then in all of this is Hagar, who really is the innocent party in this, and then, of course, Ishmael, who was born, and all of this trouble that has happened because they were not trusting God for their future. And because they weren't trusting God for their future, they were not making the right decisions in the, in the right now. So what do we learn from all of this? What we can learn from this is that we need to trust God for our future so that we can live for him today. Wow. Trust God for our future so we can live for him today. I don't know about you, but I want to live every day committed to God and complete faith in his provision and his care for me and for my family. And the only way that we're really able to do that is if I'm willing to put my future into the hands of God. Wow. Corey Ten Boom, who was a Dutch resistance fighter, uh, known for hiding Jews in her home, eventually she was, and her family was found out and arrested and uh, put into a concentration camp. Amazing story, amazing story. If you've never read her book called The Hiding Place, I highly recommend it. A great story. But she said this. She said, never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. Now, I love that right there. Man, that's enough to like kind of, all right, okay. <laughs> you know, you, Christine's got it. She's like, oh yeah, all right, I got this. I got this. Heads bobbing, right? Because man, how great is that? And, and here's the, the power of this phrase. Yes, the future is unknown, but yes, God is known, right? Yes, the future is unknown, but God is known. And that's what we can lock into today in this whole, this whole story right here. And, and it's tough to do, I get it. I struggle with this every day. Lord, help me to trust you. Every day, that's a prayer of my heart. Genuinely, I pray that out loud to God every day. Lord, help me to trust you. I wanna trust you, I wanna trust you. It is tough, but the truth is God can be trusted for our future. Amen. And so we can actually say, we can say, God, I don't know what the future has, but I can trust you with it. 
I will follow you step by step, baby step by baby step, Lord. I will follow you because I know that God has our best interests at heart. You've heard it said before, you can either learn from the mistakes of the past or you can be destined to repeat it. You ever heard that? Man, it's a great thing to, uh, to, to know, certainly. And that's the blessing of God, including this story in the word of God for us. That's a blessing, isn't it? Sometimes we wonder, you know, uh, that's one of the great uh, proofs of scripture being inspired is that it, it leaves all the bad stuff in there. If a bunch of humans wrote it, man, this would be the greatest book everywhere. And everyone in here would be the greatest person ever, right? Because that's how we are. We would not write. But yet God leaves these situations in here for us so that we understand and that we can see so that we can avoid repeating the same mistakes. Now, for Abraham and Sarah, luckily God intervened, didn't he? He intervened. He got involved in the process. God still had a plan. He miraculously rejuvenated Sarah's body. She was pregnant at the age of 90, had a son. Abram was 100 when he was born, when Isaac was born. And, and, and while we may look at that and say, wow, that's great. God worked it out you know, for his good and all that. The fact is there are still, though, consequences of their attempt to manufacture their future that are still felt to this day. The descendants of Ishmael, that other son who embittered, I believe, by the attitude of Sarah and Abram towards him and to, towards his mother, left, sort of began his own line. Remember, God promised to him, your son is also going to have many. Uh, we know that uh, he and, of course, the nation of Islam, of course, claims him as their father, of course. Other nations as well that are often seeking to harm Israel claim Ishmael as their father as well. And to this day, we see continuing difficulties from that decision. Here's the point out of that. It's always better to choose God's way. It's always better to choose God's way because if we can learn to trust God with our future, we can focus on living for him today. So let's put it into practice really briefly, all right? I'm gonna take just a couple minutes here, I promise, really short. Let's look at some practical ways to make wise decisions about our future, knowing and trusting that God is in control. Okay, you ready? Write these ones down. I think they'll help you a lot. Number one, refuse to trust yourself. Okay? Refuse to trust yourself. We know that Jeremiah tells us that the heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Now we read that verse, we're like, no, that's not my heart. That's somebody else's heart. They're in jail. <laughs> People with that heart. No, no, no. There's no qualifiers on that. That's us. <laughs> that's us. You ever sit there and say, how in the world did I just think that? That's terrible. You ever think to yourself, if my spouse knew what I thought, if my friend knew what I thought, they wouldn't even want to spend time with me. And what do we say? Woo! Where did that come from? The heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Okay? So knowing that and understanding it and knowing Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, which tells us to trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not to your own understandings. God gives us a very clear path for making decisions. Don't trust your heart. And isn't it funny how our world says, trust your heart, follow your heart. <laughs> it's going to lead you off a cliff. It's going to lead you off a cliff. He says, don't trust your heart. We're still flesh, even though we have the Holy Spirit, even though we have God, there's still that fleshly tendency. And that's why we need to walk with God and confess sin and be right with him. But trust in the Lord with all your heart. Amen. Keep him as the focus. Amen. Don't trust your heart. So when you're facing a big decision, ask yourself, you know, what is, my, what is my heart telling me to do? What is my gut telling me to do? And then say, and seek the Lord and say, Lord, what do, you, what do you want me to do? Now, sometimes those two things line up and that's a wonderful thing. 
Man, that's great when that happens. I love it. That's like, the, that's a fist pumping moment. You know, when your desire that, that God has placed inside you and his will come together and it's like, woo, and you know, I mean, it, it's on, it's great. But when you're facing big decisions, first of all, don't trust your heart. Secondly, just surrender to God's will for your future. Now, surrender is the key word there. We've talked about his will. We've talked about what he wants. Matthew 6, seek first the kingdom of God. Above all else, seek him. That involves surrender. Seeking is always predicated by surrender. Surrender has to come first. Because unless you're willing to surrender your will and your pride and who you think you should be and who you are, unless you're willing to surrender that to God, you're not truly going to be seeking him. And so surrender your will to God. And thirdly, seek godly counsel when it comes to decision-making. Seek godly counsel. Proverbs 20, 18 says, every purpose is established by counsel and with good advice, make war. That's an interesting phrase right there. (laughs) Listen, godly counsel is a safety net given to you by God. And guess what? Godly counsel isn't always gonna tell you what you think you wanna hear. And you have to be okay with that. There's been times where I've sought godly counsel and I already knew what they were gonna say. (laughs) And guess what? I already knew I wasn't gonna like it. But I did know this, they walk with God. And so it would be incumbent upon me to put myself in that situation where I'm hearing that alternate view or that differing view. And God has used that so many times. And sometimes I've gone to those situations, I know what they're gonna say, and, God, and they said something different. And God worked in that to help me out. But seek godly counsel when it comes to decisions, okay? That is a, a safety net that God has given to you. And don't just pick your friends and people who are gonna tell you what you know, you know, what they know you wanna hear, right? We live in such an affirming life, uh, you know, time right now, right? Everyone wants to affirm everybody. You be you, your truth, do whatever. Listen, sometimes that's not the best, okay? Godly, seek out people within the church family that you know walk with God and go to them for counsel, okay? And then fourthly, pray about your decisions. Man, that's pretty simple. Pray, I would say, read the word of God. Seek confirmation from him. So my, my dad, as you guys know, is a pastor, and he's huge on this. If you're going to make a big decision, he always says this to me. He says, is there a verse that God has used to confirm this decision in your life? And I always be like, oh, I got to go look, find a verse, you know, <laughs> when I was younger. Now I, I apply that to my own life. Any major decision that has happened in my life, God has confirmed it to me through his word, through a message that I've heard, through my own personal devotions, through something. God has used his word to confirm it to me. And I'll tell you what, there's nothing more freeing in life to have a verse of scripture that God uses to confirm it to your heart and just say, okay, you know what? I know this is what I'm, I'm to do. I know that this is, and by the way, don't take it out of context, <laughs> okay? <laughs> keep, it, keep it right, you know? Like Jonah read today, you know? It's like, would it, I'm gonna be prosperous, yes, you know? And write out that phrase and put it above your car, you know? And anyway, <laughs> wait for the money to rain, right? Okay. Pray about it, read the word of God, and seek confirmation from him. You know that God can speak to you in a still, small, quiet voice. Did you know that? He can. We always look for him in the whirlwind. We look for him in the lightning. Remember Elisha? We look, but he comes in a still, small voice and speaks to us. God will confirm his will to you. He does. He does speak to us. So seek it out. Pray about it. And then number five, learn from the lives of great Christians. Now, this is something for me personally that, that I use a lot. I like to read and, and learn about Christians of the past, how they made decisions, how they came to uh, follow the Lord and how God spoke to them. And it can be a great encouragement and lesson to be learned through those that have come before us, both in Scripture and others as well. You know, you think about Corey Tamboom and what she went through. 
You know, it's amazing. Her story is, is so amazing. She was released from the concentration camp on a clerical error. They made a mistake and she was released and every woman in her unit was in the gas chamber the next day. What a miracle. That's a miracle. And then God used her story. So when someone like her says to us, you can trust an unknown future to a known God. Okay, this is somebody who knows what they're talking about. So that's why we can look to Christians of the past. We can look to believers who have gone before us. You know, we have people in our church that have lived some life that have been through some hard things that God has brought them through and God has taught them. And you can go to them and and learn from them. And that's an amazing resource that God has given to us. These simple thoughts here, these five things have helped me and they've helped many believers when it comes to making decisions about our future. But ultimately, we want to trust God. Now, I mentioned, you know, the title of the message is The Future is Friendly. You guys remember TELUS? (laughs) Boo. No, I don't know. Maybe you have TELUS. I don't know. I've only had bad experiences with them. So, but that's just me. That's not advice, okay? That's just me. Um, but tell us, you remember, what was their tagline for so many years, right? The future is friendly. Remember that? Well, you know what? Something's interesting. They've changed it. Did you know that? When I think of tell us, I think the future is friendly. And I always think, yes, with Shaw. <laughs> no. Uh, <laughs> the future is friendly. But do you know what they've changed it to? I'll tell you what they've changed it to. Let's make the future friendly. Now, that's interesting, isn't it? That's a change in perspective. Instead of saying the future's friendly, they're saying we're going to make this happen. We're going we're to make it happen. Now, I much prefer the earlier one. And here's why. In a Christian context, the future is friendly if God is in it. <laughs> the future is friendly if I'm walking with God. And that's the truth. And that's why I mentioned it. Because that tagline, the future is friendly, is true if we walk by faith and we allow God to direct and guide us. Isaiah 26.3 says, Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusteth in thee. Man, imagine if you could live your life without worrying about your future. I'm not saying that you live ignorantly <laughs> or that you, you know, just live in some sort of crazy way. But if you lived your life, you still worked hard, you still saved, you still did what God has taught us in his word, but you lived your life with a supreme knowledge and overriding knowledge that you can trust God with your future. Imagine what that would be like. For some of you, maybe you have a hard time imagining that. It's good sometimes to sit and imagine the Christian life as it should be. Because we do struggle, we do have a hard time with it. And I want to encourage you to think about that and say, okay, what would it be like? What would life be like? Imagine the freedom that you would have. The freedom to give of yourself. The freedom to serve. Uh, the freedom to uh, give and, and be involved. And the, the freedom that you would have to make an impact on other people's lives for eternity because you weren't so consumed with, with me and what's going to happen to me. And we can learn that from Abram and Sarah. We can learn from the mistakes that they made so that we don't have to follow in that same path. Imagine the impact that you could have on the next generation, dads and moms, on your own kids, if you weren't parenting from a position of fear. So often as parents, we care so much about the future of our children that we parent from a position of control and, and no trust in God because we think that I have to do this thing. Yes, children are a blessing from God, but I'll tell you what, God loves them as much as he loves you. God cares about them as much as he cares about you. 
And one of the best gifts that you can give to your children, especially in the age that we live in today, is to live for God without fear, to live for God trusting in his future. And you can teach that to your children and they will grow up to be strong, well-adjusted adults. (laughs) They really will. But if all they see in you as a parent is fear and concern and and not trusting and not being generous and, and, you're, and you're always trying to control every situation and everything that happens there, it's going to develop in them too. So we got to trust God. It impacts more than us. It makes an impact in other people as well. And trusting him can give us so much freedom. Don't be so focused on tomorrow, on our future, that we neglect living for God today. I just want to get this and say this one more time. If I trust God with my future, I can focus on living for him today. Why don't you say that with me? Let's say it together. If I trust God with my future, I can focus on living for him today. You know, that'd be a great thing to print out or write out and put somewhere in your house. Teach it to your children. Teach it to your spouse. Encourage one another in that. You know, some of you that are, are single and you're, you're praying and you're waiting for God to bring that, that person into your life, this is a great way to live. Be the right person, you'll find the right person. Walk with God, you'll find somebody who walks with God. And it it comes to us not trying to manipulate and control, but to say, God, I'm going to give you my future and I'm going to trust you in this. For those of you that are maybe struggling to live for God today, it might be because you're not trusting him for the future. So if you're right now and you're like, I'm struggling, pastor, I'm having a hard time. I'm just, man, are you trusting God? Are you trusting him? Well, we do want to thank you so much for tuning into the message today. And if it's been a help and encouragement to you in any way, uh, we would ask that you share the podcast. You can easily do that on either social media or maybe just uh, text the link to a friend. But like I said, it's our mission to help others find and follow Jesus here in Vancouver, uh, all across Canada and even around the world. And so you sharing the message today can really contribute towards that. Also, we would love for you to make a connection with us if you haven't already. And so the two best ways to do that is either by liking our Facebook page, that's City Baptist Church, or following our Instagram account, Advanced City Baptist. And of course, you can check out our website at citybaptist.ca. We do have all of our past sermon series on there available for you to stream, uh, past services, uh, worship, and just lots of other content and resources there to encourage you and strengthen you in your walk with God. But once again, thank you so much for tuning in today. We are looking forward to next week's message. We love you, we're praying for you, and we're here for you.